What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, Ben. Tell me what this statement means to you. You pay for the entire seat, but you'll only need the edge. <laughs> does that mean anything to you? Yes, it means uh, several things. What uh, does that mean? Well, oh. Scott Benjamin. Yeah. Uh, and Ben Bolin. That's me. Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess we've got it. I thought you were going to say, I've got a question for you. But uh, yeah. yeah, I'm Scott Benjamin. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the other guy. Uh, we, I'll tell you what it means to me. It means that we are finally getting to cover an episode that I have wanted to cover for a long time. Car Stuff talks about. Monster trucks. Yes, monster trucks. And that line that I read earlier, that's uh, <laughs> the typical marketing line that uh, you know, you'd hear every weekend before a big event, right? But you'll only need the edge. Exactly. And that's so true. So true. That's uh, it's crazy. It really is. It's such a it's such a cool sport. Now this is your this is your idea for mm. a podcast, right? Well, you, you know I'm from Tennessee. Monster trucks have been pretty big there. Uh, yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> and and also in Detroit. It yeah. turns out Silverdome, the Silverdome, which I lived I could see the silver on from where I lived. It uh, it played a huge part in the his in the beginning of this whole thing in the in the start of monster truck events, monster truck rallies, mm-hmm. and uh, and I was right there in the midst of it, and I didn't know that it was like really the the dawn of of monster trucks. I guess I just hadn't thought about it because it was I was just right at that sweet spot. That was the age that I was kind of going to those types of things. Yeah, and it was all happening simultaneously. So. I don't know. The, the history of this thing goes back about, what, 30 years now? Yeah, yeah. No, um, longer than that, right? A little bit longer than that because mm-hmm. uh, this was, um, let's see, it's around 1974, I guess, that Bob Chandler starts actually building the, the vehicle that he wants to build. He uh, worked in uh, contracting for construction during the day, um, and he was always a 4 by 4 kind of guy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so... He had a nickname that people called him, and that nickname was Bigfoot. I like where this is going. Okay. <laughs> and so uh, he uh, 
He also he was called Bigfoot because he had a little bit of a reputation as a speeder. Somebody's mm. into a so maybe Leadfoot. This could it just came as from easily, Leadfoot to be this, Bigfoot. This could easily have been Leadfoot. Mm-hmm. And so now let's keep in mind that the four wheel drive vehicles uh, that that are nearly ubiquitous now mm-hmm. weren't weren't as common in the seventies. Oh no, definitely, and definitely weren't. You'd have to you'd have to try to find one. So, um, well, you know what? Yeah, sorry. Let's pause the uh, the history here yeah. for just a moment. And you and I talked about this off air. Yeah, we both have seen in our past, and we're talking late seventies, mid mid to late seventies, even into the early eighties, a lot of vehicles that shouldn't have been built on truck bodies, <laughs> built on or tr- chassis rather. Right. Yeah. You know, car bodies, whatever, sure. added to truck chassis, right? Yes. Um, you're from Tennessee. Mm. I'm going to assume that there's quite a few of these there. You might see the Trans Am that's uh, seven feet in the air. Right, right. Um, or the, the uh, you know, maybe a hearse. Yeah, you can that's, check on the internet. There's a bug. I have personal experience. I saw a, uh, the first one I can remember was a purple El Camino that, that was in Indiana when I was a kid. And the, was that in the family? Uh, no, not in the family. It was okay. down the street from a cousin's house that I stayed okay. at all the time. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, that thing was amazing. Incredible mm. as a kid. You know, it's like, it's like a, a toy come to life. Yeah. It really is. And there's a lot of different versions of this that kind of led up to what um, Mr. Chandler was building, right? Right. Yes. Okay. We should. That's, you know what? That's a really good point because um, what he eventually does um, when he decides that he needs to rely on his own efforts to make sure he can get his repairs done on his 4x4 and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, what ultimately this leads to is that he and uh, some buddies start messing with this uh the messing with this vehicle and what they end up doing is taking his 1974 Ford F250 and uh giving it a 460 cubic inch engine uh and then boring that to over 640 and then a C6 transmission and boom Bigfoot number 1 is born yeah giant giant tires oh yes yes the most one of the most important parts yeah. And a huge lift kit, right? Because I mean, they, huge lift kit. Now, now, obviously, you know the the uh, the idea is to be as high off the ground in these types of things as possible. But he's just going from scratch. He doesn't even know what he's really doing here. He's just making a yeah. giant truck. He's not really going for what we we consider now as a monster truck. Yeah, originally not at this point they wanted to test like climbing and uh, off roading yeah. abilities. Uh, the tires are forty eight inches tall okay. on the first one. All right, and you know what? Those are huge. Those. are but, but not what we're talking now, and we'll get to the modern trucks in a moment. But um, so here's what's his name, Bill Bob Bob Chandler. Bob, Bob Chandler. Yeah, he's out. You know, at his farm or wherever he's located, he's got a lot of property. Mm-hmm. Um, he's out building this thing, and they decide one day. This is like in the 19, early 1980s, actually mm-hmm. 1981. Yeah, I bet I could crush that car. Yes, this car. <laughs> this is so big. You know what would be cool is to drive this into town. Let's, uh, you know, I could just park on top of any car I wanted to. It's probably a joke, right? Yeah. A lot of fun, you know. Like this, this is, uh, yeah. I could, I could get through traffic really easy. I just drive right over top of them. This car is so, this truck is so <laughs> big. And, you know, it's kind of an unheard of idea at the time, which mm-hmm. is crazy to think of now because of what we've seen. But crushing cars was a brand new thing. And so they're out on this property out in a field somewhere in 1981. Yeah. Videotaping. And I'm sure this is a VHS tape, you know, that's, that they're taping this with. Mm-hmm. Uh, VHS deck or whatever. Um, they've got two cars that are apparently crushing cars. You know, yeah. like some people have shooting cars. This is these are two <laughs> crushing cars. Right. Pulls up to him, and 
lo and behold, here's the first car crush on video by Bigfoot. And uh, let's also keep in mind, because I know a couple of people might write in about this, uh, the the first stuff we described there, those 48-inch tires and the, the type of engine and the lift, um, that's stage one, really. That's a prototype almost, because they, they got to 66-inch uh, tires. They Of course, they had to do a lot of work on the axle, because mm-hmm. you can imagine, without a lot of work on the axle... Yeah. Uh, it, it would be difficult to get that through. And the the suspension and... Um, you know, I think we could just say this thing is completely custom. I mean, other than the I body... That's fair. Other than the body work that's on it, this thing is completely custom. It's a, it's a home-built vehicle that was, uh, you know, purposely built for, eventually, for car crushing. And so uh-huh. Bigfoot is born, basically, in, uh, let's just say it's 1981 with this first car crush video, which yeah, you, can, yeah. you can find online, by the way. You can watch this. But mm-hmm. there's some controversy here, Ben, it, because at the same time... Other people were building trucks called, like, I think King Kong, and there was another one called High Roller, right. and there was yep. Cyclops, and yep. they all claim that they were also crushing cars at the same time. Mm-hmm. The difference here, Ben, is that Bigfoot was the first one with video proof. Yep, hard documentation. Video proof that they have crushed cars with, with Bigfoot. And you can watch the original crushing video on uh, there's a, there's a site for Bigfoot specifically, and I want to mention just a couple more things yeah. about Bigfoot because this is fascinating history. Bigfoot's really. a dynasty now too, it's, by the it's way. It's amazing. Uh, there's a site, you know, it's called Bigfoot4x4.com, right? Right. Um, I think if you go to Bigfoot.com, you end up at some, like, t- uh, some independent film company. <laughs> uh, but but Bigfoot4x4.com, and you can watch all these videos. But you can watch the original footage in 1981 of them crushing these two cars out in the field, and uh, it's. It's pretty cool, and knowing where that led, you know what that led to, mm. and that this is the first time. Now, here's how simple this video is. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a small crowd that's cheering or whatever. They've actually got the back end loaded up with wood and stuff like that, just because they wanted to keep the weight on the back end. You know, I think. Right. Uh, but you see yeah. that flying around in the video. It's it's, really, <laughs> it's it's pretty interesting. It's a funny kind of a funny film. Right, but it's not. You know, it, it's not something with dazzling production value or whatever. <laughs> no, 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 no. It wasn't uh, it was just to show what they could do. Um, right. So we've got we've got the uh we've got the controversy here, which I'm glad you mentioned, uh because from nineteen eighty one for the next couple of years, monster trucks are appearing um to to great acclaim and fanfare, but they're mainly sticking with this rolling over crushing cars trick. Yep. And in nineteen eighty two which is just one year after this little video surfaced, uh, I guess some promoter got a hold of it yeah. and decided that, you know what, we've got these truck pull competitions that are happening, you know, where they have uh, um, tractors or trucks that pull yep. weight sleds. And we've talked about this on our podcast, I think, mm-hmm. uh, the weight pulling competitions. Right. Um, as an exhibition at the Pontiac Silverdome in 1982, that is when Bigfoot did its first, like I guess I would say, large-scale show Right. Where, um, you know, there's a big audience and, you know, there's instead of just being out in a field with a couple of people and videotaping uh-huh. it, yeah. they're in front of, get this, Ben, and I, this blew me away when I heard this number, 72,000 people. Wow. Um, now, th- this is incredible. Now, I think that's actually in 1983 when the 72,000 were there, but 1982 is when he did the full, first, um, the first showing, the pu- first public showing. Um, in 1983... There's there's this footage that they call it's kind of loosely called the flash attack footage, <laughs> uh, because the second that that thing jumps, that's when all these I mean the full stadium lights up with, uh, remember flash cubes on cameras? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody had flash cubes that you had to replace on the cameras. So for all the uh, all the younger listeners, um, 
we'll give you some old people tips here. Uh, the <laughs> cameras used to not have an embedded flash. Uh, phones didn't weren't able to take pictures at this time. Uh, you you would have to buy these cubes that were you know consumables. Yeah. Uh, uh, they would meaning they would wear out over time, and you would have to uh, you have to physically attach them. Single use. Single use. That's yeah. the problem. And some of them had four, and they would rotate around, and you get four shots out of it. And you have to replace the cube or mm-hmm. a stick or whatever. It was mm-hmm. a, anyway, so the, all these flashes went <laughs> off. I mean, seventy two thousand people at the Silverdome, Ben. Yeah. Most of them taking a photograph all at one time. It's pretty incredible, and oh, and the crowd shots because the the one that I saw online, uh, mm. it, it's really pretty funny. I mean, just to see the way that you know the people are dressed and the hairstyles and all that you know all that goes along with this being nineteen eighty, let's eighty three, I guess. Yeah, um, pretty amazing. The 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 film footage that I saw was from uh, was from nineteen eighty three on the floor of the Silverdome when it happened. So it's really good footage. Um, so what's funny? Yeah, and one thing that we're trying to point out here, if um, if if it's not too apparent, uh, Bigfoot was wildly popular. Yeah. Those 70-plus thousand people were not booing. Uh, in fact, Bigfoot was so popular that uh, Bob was forced to make more Bigfoot. Yes. Big feet. Yes. Do you know what uh, what generation we're at at this point, Ben? Oh, gosh. Let's see. I can um, tell you. Uh oh wait wait it's somewhere uh, it's somewhere in my notes. Gonna it's it, somewhere in my notes. He's gonna get it. Oh no, I'm not. I'm his. I'm gonna it, have to let it out. Is it more than eighteen? It is eighteen. Oh good. Okay. Nice work. Whew. You really pulled it out there. I'm impressed. Well, I got you know I uh, Scott, you and I talk about our notes sometimes. You know, I'm a more more of a fan of typing and printing. And uh, you you write down See, a hand. So. Your notes don't stick out quite like mine do. I can I can look for Bigfoot eighteen in great big giant black letters, and it's there. So on a separate post it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a separate post it. That's right. Okay, so, so eighteen iterations. Eighteen at this point. So we're talking, uh, you know, from the very beginning in nineteen eighty one with mm-hmm. Bigfoot the original. Yeah. Uh, we're all the way up to this now. Now there've been, you know, each one of them has kind of their own little, uh, I guess, storied history. Right. In the you know the records that it sets, and I looked up a couple of these different uh, different records, and we'll just quickly blow sure. through them if yeah, you yeah. get a chance. But um, let's see, there's uh, well, there's Bigfoot Bad Boy Three, which is mm-hmm. you know Bigfoot number fourteen, uh, Bigfoot number sixteen broke the Monster Trek world records uh, world record for speed at Norwalk, Ohio, on a on a drag strip of all places. Wow. Um, they did the eighth mile in uh, seven point eight five seconds at eighty six and a half miles per hour. Now that doesn't sound like it's ridiculously fast, but a qu- and an eighth of a mile to go eighty six miles per hour in something that large—that's mm-hmm. pretty incredible. It's it's really cool to see. And all these videos, by the way, you can watch on um, Bigfoot Four by Four dot com. You can see the original Bigfoot number one Pontiac Silverdome uh, footage from nineteen eighty three, which I highly recommend that's so it's so cool <laughs> yeah. to see the, the historical stuff um bigfoot number 16 uh which is a retro bigfoot uh which has exactly the same body style as the uh as number the original one? is number one cool yeah and then um oh this is really cool bigfoot number 18 did you happen to see the long jump are you talking about the one that uh went over the jet no Oh, oh my gosh! This is the one that jumped over a jet. Yeah, well, the jet was on the ground. Oh, well, well yeah, I kind of figured. <laughs> well, you know what? Looking at some of the commercials recently, I wouldn't be surprised if they did it. You know, as it was flying by. Well, and uh, yeah, on Bigfoot Four by Four, you can you can see uh, some trucks that uh, jump over a seven twenty seven. Whoa! All right. Well, this what, what are you? What this you is got? this is more for distance. Okay. Uh, this one is uh, this was a record that was set just last year, late last year in September. 
Um, they did a, a long jump, like for the world record, in Indianapolis, Indiana, um, 214 feet 8 inches, Ben. This, this when you're watching this, this is so crazy looking, it looks like it's fake. It looks like it's movie magic, but it's it's the honest-to-goodness world record for the long jump. It's, it's incredible to see something this big jump that far. And I think maybe, you know, at this point we should tell them how big these things are and what their, you know, what their dimensions are maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah. If, if anybody didn't get the uh, sense from the um – Anybody didn't get the sense from from the tires? Uh, these vehicles are definitely not light. They mm. uh, they let's see. I've got I've got some of my stuff here. Oh, okay. So we're talking minimum ten thousand pounds. Okay, uh, and that's that's the low end. Um, all right. So so five tons. Uh, yeah, and a uh, a monster truck's usually gonna it's gonna be more than ten feet tall, so around eleven feet tall or oh, so. Oh my gosh. Uh, and then uh, wider. Than it is tall, 12, 12 wide is what I've got. Twelve feet wide. Twelve feet wide. That's yeah, huge. not twelve. Twelve feet. Yes. Oh my gosh. And um, so these there there are a lot of uh, there's a lot of fiberglass in there. Um, oh yeah, the bodies are definitely fiberglass yeah. uh, replicas at this point of of the original bodies that you know the trucks that the, their namesake comes from. Right. If it's a Ford F one fifty, it's a fiberglass bodied F one fifty at this point. It's not like you know, the original Bigfoot that I would guess was probably the original metal uh-huh. body or modified metal body. And um, at this point, the chassis are all custom. Exactly. Pretty yeah. much, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have huge V8 engines. Now, uh, we're talking about, like, these are, these are you know, supercharged, alcohol-burning, blown engines that, um, mm-hmm. you know, are, are 500 cubic inch engines that, you know, that's like nine and a half liters, Ben. Yeah, these one, are, uh, like, one really popular model right now is... Um, One popular engine is the uh, 540 uh, cubic inch Merlin. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without painful finger sticks. So you can always know which way your glucose is headed. An arrow shows you where you're heading, up, down, or steady. It could also alert you before you go too low or when you're going too high. 
And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM available, you can make better diabetes decisions about food, medication, and activity in the moment. And all those little decisions can lead to big results. Results you can see like more time in range and lower A1C. With Dexcom G7, you can manage your diabetes with confidence. Get started with the number one recommended CGM brand by doctors and patients at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Okay. All right. And um, like if you go to, well, I, I don't want to dive into it too quick, but if you uh, if you check out um, stats for uh, a lot of places that have multiple monster trucks competing, mm-hmm. one thing you'll notice is that a lot of them are using that Merlin. Okay. All right. And so a supercharged 540 that's, you know, an alcohol burning engine. Right. That you can yeah. imagine the power that comes out of these things. We're talking like... 1500 horsepower yeah to as much as 2000 uh, so 1500 to 2000 horsepower is what you're talking in these things 66 inch tires they're uh they're tires that come from well they actually original purpose was like farm tires right? yeah like fertilizer spreaders yeah, which stuff. is incredible um oh and one of the cool things about these things and this is what makes uh something that we want to talk about later possible uh four-wheel steering uh, yeah. They've got they've got this really really intense looking four wheel steering. I mean it's it's uh-huh. pretty dramatic. You can you can see it easily uh, when they make a tight turn, uh, but it allows them to maneuver within the confines of whatever arena they're competing in much much easier. Yeah, um, it's a lot more stuff to break. Yeah, but they're a lot more nimble than they would might appear. They're very nimble, and in fact, it's it's actually it's it's truly surprising to see how nimble they are and how how fast and far they can fly really. Dude, I know, right? It's, I'm, it's, so, I'm it's, sorry. <laughs> no, we're we're both fans of this, so you know, it's it's really it's not huge fans. I haven't followed the whole series or anything like that, but um, yeah. But I did go to many, many of those, and and we're talking right at that sweet spot again, back in the early 1980s at right, at yeah. the Silverdome. I was there in the you know 80,000 people mm-hmm. crowds. Um, it was a big deal. And it was really, really. It was kind of the thing to do on the weekends. You know, it was it was fun. Mm-hmm. It was uh, it was loud. Yeah, it's probably part of the reason I can't hear very well now. Um, it's it's really really intense when you're inside a, in a closed building and you've got you know these fifteen hundred horsepower engines that are just full throttle all night long. Uh, you can imagine what that's like. Yeah, these don't exactly purr. Uh, and I wasn't smart enough to wear ear protection. Well, don't I don't beat yourself up, man. Uh, these were also kind of a new thing at the time too. So. True. You can't you can't blame yourself. A uh, little bit of the um, li- li- a couple facts real quick about the engines mm-hmm. um, that I think will hopefully segue into uh, something we're both excited to talk about. So these engines, um, I believe this is from the Bigfoot site. Uh, these engines are custom built. So that the the Merlin we're talking about has a lot of customization going into it. Uh, they will. They can burn up to two and a half gallons of methanol each run. That's quite a bit. That's I mean, two hundred and fifty feet. And when you're talking about like uh, each run, I mean, you, you're you're talking about maybe the the racing aspect of these, where where it's really just one trip across, like there and back across the uh, across the stadium yeah, which floor. Might, which might surprise some people that that sounds a little bit similar to more similar to maybe drag racing than it does to. Um, and does to you know a uh, stalker racing well, or something? Yeah, but we're talking about like these are these are just about like drag racing engines in 
giant trucks. Yeah, they're really absolutely. Now, it's, it's, they're short bursts of speed. Yeah, exactly. And, they, and that quick burst of speed is what's required for what they do. Because, yeah. you know, the, when they're, you know, lining up for a, for a jump, it's not like they're going to have, you know, when you see a, uh, you know, someone else jumping buses or, you know, Evil Knievel or whoever. Right. They've got, you know, a 200 foot, you know, run up to the ramp. Yes. These guys don't have that. You know, they, they sometimes will put the front tires on the ramp and then gun it and, and they're flying through the air, you know, 20 feet in the air. But that comes from, you know, the, the 10 feet up the ramp that, that, and that's all they had going uphill. It's incredible. Yeah. I, I don't know how, but I'm, again, we're getting to this fanboy area where we're both <laughs> excited about it and there's not enough good things we can say about it really. It's, it's so cool to watch. Well, I can answer. I'd like to anticipate a question some people might ask, which is, hey, Scott, hey, Ben, why aren't the, uh, engines bigger? What's with the CI there? Well, the size of the engines, uh, there's a limit on it uh, by some folks that you might hear of, you might have heard of before, dear listener. They are called USHRA. Ah. And they say that if you want to roll with them, you can only have 575 CI and below. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, so there's a there's a limit on the cubic inches. Yeah. Um, now, they're the uh, the organization, so the, the USHRA, the Hot Rod Association, um, they're the organization that markets the whole series of monster truck, uh, well, all the vehicles that, that, that mm-hmm. participate in this. And uh, there's a little bit of confusion on my part, Ben. What's maybe, that? Maybe you can clear it up, maybe yeah, you can't. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. But um, I've heard of Monster Jam. Monster Jam. Okay. Now, I I've heard it. of uh, the Thunder Nationals. Uh-huh. Now, is it the Monster Jam Thunder Nationals, or is it two separate series? Because I thought that the Thunder, I thought that the Thunder Nationals were a separate series from the Monster Jam series, but then you see the two together at some places. Yeah, and sometimes you see overlap between the vehicles. Yeah. It's an, it's an odd thing that, like, it depends on how it's, how it's printed or how you read it. But I get the sense that they're separate things that sometimes come together. They're separate groups mm-hmm, that sometimes mm-hmm, come together for mm-hmm. certain events. For like a freestyle or something. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I'm not. I'm not that up on the series at this point. I know. I, I mean, I love watching it. I love seeing it. But I'm not. I'm not. You know, following the tour or anything like that. Right. And I haven't been for many, many years since you know the the 80s or the early 90s, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, so if somebody can clear that up for us, we would appreciate we it. We would appreciate but, that. But uh, yeah. but honestly, you'll see like the the Monster Jam and Thunder Nationals uh, together as like a Monster Jam Thunder National event, mm-hmm. which is kind of strange because um, it seems like they have different things. Now they originally competed on bare concrete floors. Yes. Um, you know, and they had you know a couple of cars lined up, and they would jump these cars, and you know, it's like kind of a a competition there, like one way there, one way back. Right. Um, you know, for time. Uh, they also had wheelie competitions. They had donut competitions, and then then freestyle. Okay. Yeah. No. Did I okay. jump the gun? No, no, not at all. I think we should talk about freestyle and maybe move it on from there because uh, okay. freestyle to me. This is this is the coolest part. I think this is what this this makes people lose their minds, Ben. This, this is, is the more fun, but like the I, crowds the go funnest crazy. Part. More, go, the most fun part. They go crazy, absolutely yeah. crazy. And you know what? I don't blame them. This is so. It's just such an adrenaline rush to even watch them do this. I can't imagine what it's like for the drivers to to do some of these things to accomplish what they do in mm-hmm. these in these amazing amazing vehicles. Yeah. So check it out. You've got a ten thousand pound vehicle. Uh, 60 plus inch tires uh, an engine that is probably half demon well suited for a drag car well suited for a drag car and then you rev it up and you drive up a ramp 
you flip over once, you bounce so hard that you flip over again. I'm talking about that double flip yeah, video. sure. And then you somehow land it? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you may think, like, these guys go out there, and I, I'll, I'll tell you this, and this is after watching, we, you know, we've we investigate this. Yeah. We, we, we investigated this quite a bit over the last, uh, you know, couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and watching a lot of videos, and, you know, just trying to catch up on the series and what's going on, and I'm sure that... Okay, I probably made some mistakes early on in what we were talking about. I hope not, but, uh, you know, like maybe skipped over some stuff that was important in the development of the series. But let me tell you this. The freestyle competition continues to be the most popular of all the competitions, and there's a lot of driver skill that goes into this that you wouldn't think is there yeah. initially. But when you watch a few of these and you watch, you know, let's say you watch as many as we have in the last couple right. of weeks. Their control is apparent. Oh, my gosh. You realize that, you know... Th- Saving the vehicle at certain points, and it actually pays in, plays into the judging of this whole thing. Saving the vehicle um, is definitely driver skill. I mean, there's a, there's a way that they can you know prevent rollover. They can uh, upright the vehicle after it has rolled over. There's there's a uh, there's a lot of different angles that they can hit these things that mm-hmm. you know you wouldn't think more throttle here, less throttle there. Right. Um, it's really really uh, quite a skill. And also, uh, just just so we're clear. Uh, like any other motorsport, and this is a legitimate motorsport, uh, any other motorsport, uh, there is so much time spent on safety. There, there really is. I know it might look like these are just some devil-may-care people flipping gigantic trucks, um, but uh, they, they do spend well, quite a bit. These, these drivers are exceptional. Is, you, that's my point. You couldn't survive the wrecks that they get into if, if safety wasn't an, a huge issue in this series. I mean, we're talking about like the Hans device and, mm-hmm. um, all the, all the strapping and, and the cages that are built around the them and, remote, uh, interrupters. Correct. Remote, yeah. Yeah. For the ignition shut off. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, it's just this part of the competition, this, this freestyle part of the competition started. So cool. What in like the 1990s? I think the mid 1990s. Right. Yeah. It didn't. It again, as we've said, it was uh, primarily uh, exhibition car crushing in the beginning. Yeah. And uh, and racing came, and racing afterward. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the third the the third step in the evolution, if you will, uh, is the. Freestyle. The crowd favorite, yeah, if I would the actually crowd say. Favorite. I mean, uh, people love the racing because, you know, it's like a, a, a heat competition, elimination, you know, where it's uh, there and back and who can get there mm-hmm. fastest, and then there's a winner. But the freestyle competition is where they get to go out and they just, uh, and I'll tell you the the, uh, the rules or how they're judged, if you want yes, to know. Yes, yeah. Okay, so you get the certain time, and you're supposed to use the entire time that's allotted to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you're judged on speed, aggression, uh, your jump height and length. Of you know what you what you attempt to do, um, the tricks that you you know employ throughout that whole thing, right. you know, like the the combination maybe um, saves, which is again we talked about that it's purely driver skill in most cases. Some cases it's luck, right. but uh, mostly driver skill. And then also another one that's really cool, spectacular moments is another <laughs> one that they that the judges actually consider in their judging is spectacular moments, which is uh, anything out of the ordinary that happens. Like, let's say that, um, and I want to follow this up in just a moment with um, a mention of a certain vehicle that is known for spectacular moments. Um, But anything out of the ordinary that happens, like, let's say you snap a wheel off and you continue on, Mm -hmm. you know, and yet you still pull off these incredible tricks. Your your steering brakes. And right. you still continue to, you know, pull off these amazing tricks. That's all noted in the uh, in the judging. And if you happen to uh, if you happen to be at one of these events and there's a tie, 
you know, the judging, because there's truly judges at these things. Right. And they're judging by points, point system. If there's a, if there's a tie, sometimes there will be then a cheer off by the audience for who wins, which I think is kind of cool because that's kind of going way back. You know, that's, uh, yeah. that's how things used to be judged really is during jousts. Yeah. No, like, well, yeah, dance offs or whatever, right, you know, yeah, like, yeah. That, you know, who's the greatest here? Let's hear the cheer meter. Um, or and this is kind of neat too. What's that? There's a, there's a secret judge that, no one knows about, which can sometimes at bigger events break the tie, which is kind of a cool idea that there's the secret wow. judge, someone that's watching that no one else is aware of that is a judge that will break a tie. I'm picturing that. Uh, I'm picturing the bad guy from Inspector Gadget. <laughs> you know, you just see the back yeah. of the chair and I mean, the hand. How cool is that to be like only used in a certain, like an emergency situation, like, like emergency. You know, there's a yeah. tie at the uh, freestyle competition at Monster Jam. But, An um, extraordinary situation. Exactly. That's really so, cool. So I think that's cool. And the whole thing, just visually, the visually freestyle is so shocking to me. It's it's just an incredible. I can't believe that a 12 foot tall, 10,000 pound vehicle can launch itself, yeah, you know, 20 feet in the air. Oh yeah. It's if you haven't watched one in 10, let's say 10 years. Yeah. Do yourself a favor. You will not believe what they're doing with these trucks. And the one vehicle that, to me, and I've got this list here that we didn't get to. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, we're running a little longer, I think. I don't think we're okay. going to. But, right. but there's a All huge right. list of Monster Jam trucks. Which you can see on the Monster Jam website. Exactly. The Monster Jam website, which is, uh, I think, Advanced Auto Parts is the sponsor at this point. Right. They even um, have their own vehicle. Oh, yeah, they do. Yeah, they have the uh, the grinder. Is what it's called. I'm looking at my list, uh, but there's a lot of different vehicles, and they all have their own characteristics and features. Uh, there's something that I think you should look at in particular, and it's a vehicle that never seems to disappoint in the clips. It's called Maximum Destruction. Have you seen this vehicle? <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to say Maximum Destruction or Grave Digger. Oh, okay, okay. Grave Digger is an old school truck. It goes yeah, way back, yeah. but Maximum Destruction slightly uh-huh. newer, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen something. As dramatic in uh, in this type of competition is what maximum destruction does, and I it lives I know up to the hype. It's funny, but it, it truly to me it stands out. And they actually, they actually have what they call max D moments, and uh, they have like a countdown from like ten to one. Uh-huh. And if you watch them, you know there's like a little lead in of what happened and you know the date that it happened or whatever, and then they show you the full freestyle segment. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, Ben, it's truly. Like I said, it's shocking what this thing can do. I, I just had no idea that they advanced so much because I remember the I'm, – I'm talking like Bigfoot 1 or Bigfoot 2 days when I was yeah, watching them. Yeah, yeah, And now we're up to you know this maximum destruction. And there's there must be – it looks like 75 or 80 trucks on this list maybe. I'm just guessing. Yeah, um, there's quite a few. There's several of them, and they've all got their own features and high points. Their and, own and, story. Yeah, exactly, and and talents, and you know the yeah, talented drivers. Yeah, their own driver team, their own uh, their race team, and also uh, their own kind of uh, family, if you will, of related vehicles. Like not only is there Grave Digger, there's Grave Digger the Legend. Oh yeah, there's a <laughs> son of Grave Digger or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. A, a son of a Grave Digger. That's what they call it. Uh, there's there's so many different versions of of these now, mm-hmm. and they're on tour all the time. I know. You know what? As a matter of fact, this is going to date this podcast, but there's one in town this weekend here. Ah, yes. Uh, the weekend we're recording this, this is uh, 
This is just a few days into February. Yeah, so. yeah, and uh, there's an event happening this weekend. I'm not going to be able to make I didn't know it was even happening mm-hmm. until I started researching this and found out the dates. But uh, I uh, I may in the near future make plans to go to one of these just from based on what I've seen in these videos. We should go because these trucks are in uh, 50 different cities each year. They're, all, they're continually on tour. They really travel a lot. There's one thing that we have to talk about. I'll never be able to apologize to my childhood self if we don't. <laughs> What's that? Uh, I mean, I'll never be able to make it up to that kid. Scott, what is 30 feet tall and eats cars? Oh, I know this one, Ben. You know it. What is I, it? I do. It's, uh, uh, there's two names. Okay. Is it, is it Truckosaurus? Or... Or is it Robosaurus? Now, it, it for our purposes, it's Robosaurus because we uh, don't live in the world of The Simpsons. Oh, I knew there was a I knew there was a distinction. <laughs> yeah, it's then that's the distinction. And, okay, Truckosaurus is fictional. Uh, yeah, but uh, based on reality. Based on Truckosaurus is The Simpsons version based on Robosaurus, okay. which is real. Robosaurus for anybody who for some reason doesn't know, uh, Robosaurus is a uh, gigantic flame breathing car crushing thing uh that would be that that people would bring around to um monster trucking events yeah. a lot and and you know other demolition derbies stuff like that and uh the idea was sort of uh a take on transformers and so if you're a kid and you're at these shows then the idea is that robosaurus has um driven to the like disguised himself as a as a vehicle a yeah, semi looks, or something. He looks like a it looks like a giant RV or something like that. Right, right, and that he's come to this place to transform so that he can eat cars. Now, of course, there are plot holes in this in his origin story. Yeah. Like he's driving by cars he could eat, but um, this is a really really cool thing. Um, we posted it uh, earlier on our. Uh, Facebook and for me, there's a bit of nostalgia here, but I think we're on the same page with that. Have you ever seen Robosaurus in person? No, no, no. Oh, you know, it's still out there. It's still somewhere. I don't know where it is. I, it, I but it, uh, it is out yeah. there. Recently, got auctioned. I, uh, I have, I had the great fortune to see this in you know live when, oh, it, when it was like this was the big deal, right? At yeah. the Silverdome. Yeah, and it came out. It looked like an RV. It transformed into this this monster that was suddenly staring us in the eyes, you know, 80 feet up or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it did pick up, you know, a giant car, like an old, late, you know, 1970s type car. Yeah. Huge car. Picked it up, held it up to its mouth, and then, you know, used the flamethrower to barbecue the thing right in front of us. Mm-hmm. And then dropped it. Yeah. Dropped it from that height. That's so cool to see that happen. It's 20,000 pounds of force it's, when it um, bites. It's amazing. Wait, 20,000? So it truly does crush the car when it bites it. Yeah. It it's can. not like, you know, one of those uh, cranes that, you know, doesn't do anything when it when it collapses on it. It's uh, This is this is truly crushing the car right. and, and cooking it with this, this monster flamethrower thing that it's got. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. An incredible show. It's got a human pilot too in the, oh, in the head. How neat! This and is what a what a fun time. Twenty that is. foot flames. Those teeth on it, Scott. The teeth are four feet long. That's a good day when you see Robosaurus. Well, unless you're in the car he's eating. Well, yeah. that's true. Yeah. So obviously, the Simpsons fans are Robosaurus. Uh, the Simpsons guys are Robosaurus fans too because they have Truckosaurus, which. Uh, if you watch some, I think Bart the Daredevil is one of the episodes oh from Truckosaurus. I know. I have to go watch that on my desktop. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. 
someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without painful finger sticks. So you can always know which way your glucose is headed. An arrow shows you where you're heading, up, down, or steady. It could also alert you before you go too low or when you're going too high. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM available, you can make better diabetes decisions about food, medication, and activity in the moment. And all those little decisions can lead to big results. Results you can see like more time and range in lower A1C. With Dexcom G7, you can manage your diabetes with confidence. Get started with the number one recommended CGM brand by doctors and patients at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Um, well, guys, we're uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, wrap up here. Um, we've had... Uh, I know we've had a good time doing this. Yeah, you know, and and for any holes in the history or whatever, I apologize, but we we are such just we're fans of this. We like it. We had a tough time on this one because it's it's so cool. Yeah, there's so many angles on this. The the fiberglass bodies that are so amazing that we didn't even get to. Yeah, all the different trucks, and we only got to mention like Maximum Destruction and Bigfoot and everything that Bob Chandler did. He's really I heard him called once the Mario Andretti. Of monster truck racing, and he really is a pioneer. So aptly named, he made so many uh, advancements that we have not talked about in this podcast. Uh, but I do want to take a moment to uh, thank Mr. Chandler uh, for enabling you know us as well as um, millions of people now to enjoy monster truck racing, oh, monster truck competition. Yeah, I mean tens of millions of people. It's just it's an exciting, exciting thing to witness. And and seriously, if one comes near you anywhere into you know an arena locally yeah. or whatever, make an effort to get there. It's so worthwhile. So when uh, RoboSource, the last update, uh, he was uh, sold for uh, five hundred seventy-five thousand hmm. um, dollars. I uh, I have considered starting a RoboSource rescue fund. If you guys are interested, is that what uh, the cup on your desk is for? That is what the cup on my desk is for. <laughs> it's gonna have yeah. to be a lot bigger. Well, you know, uh, one step at a time. All right, dream big. <laughs> 
Uh, I've got I've got big dreams, Scott. Um, so we're gonna go ahead and head out of here. We would love to hear from you guys if you have any monster truck experience. If you have some stuff you wanna tell us more about, or just uh, a lot of people have been sending their list of their favorite cars. How about this? I'm enjoying. If you have a photo of a monster truck event from like let's say the early days, like yeah. the 1980s. Sure. Yeah. If you can scan it and send it along, I love looking at that stuff. Yeah, you can post it on Facebook. You can drop us a line at Twitter, or you can always send Scott and I an email directly at carstuff at discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Compatibility. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander, or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So, Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyond zero.